Welcome to the Level Up Podcast. Our goal is that by listening to our podcast, you will be inspired to level up. With the help of some amazing guests, we'll be inspired by some inspirational success stories and find out how you can level up your business, your life, and your relationship with yourself. Because I know that by leveling up and balancing these three aspects of your life, you can make a difference and impact the lives around you. Level Up Podcast will be a series of interviews featuring successful professionals who are making a mark and a difference in their lives and others. They will share their incredible stories of how they did it, so you can be inspired and learn from the very best. Thank you very much for having me. It's, um, I'm grateful to share my story. Everybody has a story, and hopefully at least one person out there in the metaverse and the universe will resonate or be inspired. That's always my goal with these talks that I, that I sometimes do. So thank you for having me. Um, my full name is Demetrius Kalogeropoulos. I'm a Greek Canadian. Uh, okay. I, I uh, called myself Agent DK for uh, because my name is so long and a lot of people struggle with the Greek names. Um, I'm a full-time real estate broker, team leader, and um, I run a team of eight people myself four other salespeople and two admin okay. and uh, we're based in Ottawa, Canada in the nation's capital, okay. uh, not this city, Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal are bigger cities, but Ottawa is the capital and that's where we're located. Um, we do a lot of business for a small team. We're very, very efficient. Some people have called my team kind of like highly skilled, highly trained, you know, uh, like Marines, like we get in, we do the job, we get out instead of like, you know, so like everyone on my team is highly, highly tra trained. Um, like the Navy SEALs, they call it. Maybe you're the Navy SEALs. Marines, Navy SEALs. So that's where, that's where I'm up now. Um, I come from immigrant parents. My parents came to Canada in the 70s. My dad was a he came as a taxi driver and then he was like a cook, mainly like a cook, like a chef. Okay. Um, grade, grade five education. My mom came here, same thing, grade five education. She came when she was 14 and um, she was a waitress her whole life, lifetime waitress. Um, and they got married and they had myself and my sister. Okay. So we grew up, we grew up with uh, challenging, you know, with money. Um, okay. I remember my parents. It was often a problem in the house because they actually were really hard workers. They never missed a day of work in their lives. But my dad had a problem with gambling. And like a lot of immigrant men back then in the 70s and the 80s, they never saw casinos. They never saw racetracks. So when they came to North America, they saw these things that they never saw before. And I guess, you know, you, you become who you surround yourself with. So fortunately, money was always... One of those things in my house, it was always a problem. We never had a lot of money or a lot of nice things. We always had food, thank God. We always had a roof over our heads, but we never had vacations. We never had, like, we had one family car. We had one bathroom in the house. Everybody would fight to use it. We were living in a whole, like, a neighborhood where a lot of immigrants were. But over the years, we saw our uncles and family and friends do better, save money, and move up in life. But we stayed there. And uh, because there was always these money issues. So I think uh, a lot of my drive and a lot of my where I'm at now in life was a result of my upbringing because I, I I saw my parents struggle financially and I never wanted 
to be in that situation. So I worked really, really hard to be smart with my money and, and thank God, you know, I'm not in that situation. And now I'm in a position where I actually take care of my parents financially. And, um, so I'm very grateful for that. So that's kind of where I came from. That's amazing. So what are the, what are some of the memories you have growing up that you think, wow, that, that kind of shaped me or that again, as you were mentioning, seeing the money struggle a lot of times, um, as you grow up, um, and it is funny because as you were talking, I can resonate so much with you because I, I'm kind of in the same spot when it comes to, you know, wanting to do better than your parents, wanting to, you know, have a better life and provide for your kids. And I, I know you do have a son or two, two boys, two boys. And I think that's something that we all strive for, right? We, we have this lifestyle. It was good. It was enough, but it was not, it's not what I want for my kids. So it's not what I want to leave for, for the next generation. But is there yeah. anything growing up that you remember that inspired you to say, this is not going to be my story when I grow up? Is there any specifically that happened that you could yeah. remember? There was a lot. There was a lot. Okay. I've always, I've always, I was always a dreamer. I was always like, I, you know what they say? Never compare. I think it's actually okay to compare if it, ins if it serves to inspire you. If comparing though brings you down and makes you feel negative or you start to think jealous thoughts, then obviously it's negative. But for me, I would look at successful people and I'd say, man, I want to wear a suit one day. I want to be a businessman. I didn't even know what that meant, but I knew I liked the look of a smart, right. good looking, well-trimmed businessman. I'm like, I want to be that one day. I don't know how, but that's what I want. And the idea of being a successful businessman and, um, so I always had the, the, the passion and the, the drive for it. I didn't have the recipe. I didn't know how, but it doesn't matter Like when you're young, as long as you know what you want. But I would say the single biggest catalyst that propelled me into a different life and a different stratosphere mm -hmm. was a bad thing where I was 15 years old and my sister was 18 years old and she suffered what's called a brain aneurysm and Mom, my, my uncle just bought a restaurant. My dad was working there. Me and my sister were working there. My mom was working there. Family business, right? Greek restaurant. And um, it was far. It was like an hour away from home. So every day, an hour there, an hour back. Get a call one day saying my sister fell down at school. Rush her to the hospital because anytime there's a problem with the head, the school has a policy. They have to send them to the school. And this is something we didn't know. It's not hereditary. It's, not, it's a random. It's a blood vessel in your brain bursts. Most people die right away. My sister ended up living, thank God, but it was hell. You know, like we, she was in a coma for one year and my family lost the restaurant. Uh, my mom stopped working. My dad was working, but he was still gambling. So like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really helpful, not financially. I was 15. I'm in high school. You know, what do you do when you're a boy, when you're 15, chase girls, you play sports. You, 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 you're a normal kid. I was immediately, my life was like, what do I do? And then I could, I, I felt like I couldn't be sad around my mom because I didn't want her to think that she had to worry about me because she already had to worry about her daughter. So I put on this face, like I got this, I'm good. And meanwhile, I was dying inside, crying myself to sleep every night, you know, working my butt off. I started selling TVs when I was uh, around 16 years old and helping to pay the mortgage and the family bills. And what sometimes looks like a disaster or um, 
a bad thing was turned out to change me in a good way. It created, uh, well, it strengthened my relationship with God for sure. At first I was mad at God, like why us, why her? Like you hear people that rock, kill people and rape people and they live in jail till they're a hundred. Like why, why my sister was an innocent child? You know, like you start to question your faith, you start to question everything. So I went through these phases, but then I said, thank God these things happened to us because it made my family stronger. It, it, because she survived, we saw a miracle in front of our eyes. And when I saw my sister having to learn how to walk again and how to talk again and, you know, how to use her right arm again, cause she was paralyzed on the right side, it was like, I can do anything. If she can what? do that, I can do anything. There's nothing I can. And I have to, because my family needs me to be there. My family needs me to be strong. And I tell you, like, it, it was hard. I remember celebrating my sweet 16th birthday on my sister's deathbed, you know, it was a cake there. And I have the picture. I was looking at it last week and I started crying because my son is almost the same age that I was when that happened. And I keep thinking, wow. I was young, like 15 or 16 to be celebrating your, your sweet 16th birthday while your sister is dying. And I was very close. I still am with my sister. So that is the thing that caused me to say, okay, I have to be a man now. I have to be the man of the family. I have to be strong. I have to make money. I have yeah. to work my ass off. And that's what I did. I, I worked like an animal. And uh, the work ethic and the mindset came from that experience. Like, Bertha, there's no such thing as a bad day for me. I have never had a bad day since I was 16 years old because that was a bad day. Yeah. Losing a client, a deal falling apart, the economy is not doing so good. This is all bullshit. Yes. At the end of the day, when you have your health and your family and the people that you love, that's what matters. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize that because maybe it's a good thing. They don't experience anything bad. So they live their life going about, you know, worrying about stupid things. And then one day, one day something bad happens and they go, holy shit. All that matters is health and family. And religion if, if you believe in that some people don't that's okay i do so when you have that as your base Everything. there's nothing that can there's nothing that can stop me because i went through that that's interesting you said it because a lot of times we uh, again like you said we live life and just think that everything is bad and not until something really dramatic or something huge like this happens and you realize well again and, and i'm gonna go back to that because i feel like a lot of times we and i'm gonna call myself live an experience and we come out of it stronger and we say, thank God it happened to me because it yeah. made me who I am today. Because if it yeah. wasn't for that experience, I wouldn't be who I am today. So even in the worst times of our lives, there's something that good can come out of it if we're willing to see it, if we're willing to go and and, and take what was the lesson there for me to learn. I mean, yeah. like and some people take it as, oh, you know what? It's, oh my God, I, I feel sorry for themselves and go through the emotions of, you know, like you said, feeling angry with God, feeling angry with the world, and they're going through this emotional, yeah. um, and they never get out of it, or they live their lives always, you know, living in the past. Right? And they, this is something that is going to get me out, and what am I going to do from here? And how do I take this experience and use it 
to to be a better person. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I said, like I was a young, I was a boy. So like initially, I did get mad and stuff like that and questioned. It's normal. It's part of the process. Yes, but I got over it. And the biggest lesson they came out of that was, I remember praying because I used to pray a lot. I'm still doing. I prayed to God. I used to pray for my sister to be the way she was before she had the aneurysm because her personality changed, her body changed, like everything changed. She came out a different person, right? The person we knew died. She came back yeah. half paralyzed, like different. And then I said, this is a sin. You know, I should be grateful that she's alive. I should be grateful that she is who she is. So I, then I changed my prayers and I said, thank you for bringing her back. Yeah. And grateful to have her the way she is. I used to pray for things to get easier, but then I switched it and I said, no, no, make me stronger. Don't make it easier. I can take it. Just, I used to say, please go and make it easier. Please give us a break. Give it. And I said, no, no one's coming to save you. Nobody's coming to save you in life. You have to save yourself. And I think that's the lesson. I think God or the universe or whatever you believe, you believe in, uh -huh. it'll keep giving you the same test until you finally figure it out. And some people go their whole life and they never figure it out. They live in the past, like you said. So now I say, no, God, give me the strength to be able to overcome anything. I don't make it easy. Give it to me. Because I know that out of the deepest, darkest, um, what, you know, difficult things comes beautiful things like gratitude, like appreciation. I'm so grateful. I used to wish for, I used to be jealous of my friends that had rich parents. I was jealous. <laughs> they had cars. These, these parents were buying them cars. They were going on vacations. And I was like, I was jealous. You know, I was like, I wasn't unhappy for them, but I was like, why them and not me? Why, why doesn't my father give me money? My father takes money from me because he's gambling. You know, 16 years old, he used to steal money out of my piggy bank to buy cigarettes. And I used to laugh. And like, I used to look at my other kids' friends and their parents were buying them cars. And I was like, I but now, Bursa, I'm like, thank God, because nobody helped me. I did it all on my own. And Nobody can take that away from you. Absolutely. And not just that, the same father that used to steal my dollars out of my piggy bank, I take care of him. He's in a nursing home. He can't even walk. I just bought him a brand new wheelchair. It cost me $5,000 and I paid cash. Mm -hmm. I, I, I still take care of him, even though he didn't take care of me. And I think that's a beauty. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm Hispanic. So in our culture, it's very natural. And I don't know, maybe in the Greek culture it's too, but... It's very natural for us to always, um, again, take care of our elderly, you know, always look after your parents, always look after your grandparents. Um, yeah, so that comes with it. And, and I mean, I'm in the same spot exactly, but it is interesting when you said that um, about nobody's going to come to save you. If you don't do it yourself, nobody's going to do it for you. And then the biggest thing, don't, don't ask for things to be easier, ask for strength, you know, ask to be stronger so you can, you know, overcome whatever comes your way. And Jim Rohn has, has a quote that I love about, you know, don't don't wish for things to get easy. You know, ask for you to be strong, to be able to get through through whatever comes your way. And it's amazing. What's crazy is I read a lot now. I didn't so much when I was younger. But I, I thought that to myself when I was 16. I never knew who Jim Rohn was. I never read his books. So somehow those thoughts came to me naturally, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's you asked. Yeah, long interesting. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Again, that part of your life, like you said, it shaped you and it really gave you some very, very strong lessons that you are being able to, I'm sure, implement even now in your business. And as you 
as you go through life, you look at that and say, you know, that was hard. This is not like you were saying, business, market, deal falling apart. It's like, it's nothing compared to what you had to deal with when you, when you compare it to that. Right. And, and I think one of the things that I, that I love hearing is always, okay, how do we overcome those things when they show up? And obviously you did it. And that's amazing. So thank you for sharing that. So you were born in Canada, right? Yep. <laughs> So, Greek, what part of Greek is your family from? My dad is from a place called Kalamata. So, if you ever eat olives, I mean, 80% of the world's olives come from Kalamata. My dad's oh, my there. God. Interesting. Mother is from uh, Nathlio, which is also the same region of Greece. Okay. So, even though I was born in Canada, I went to Greek school two days a week. I went to Greek really? dancing. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, Greek school two days a week, Greek dancing once a week. Sunday school, which was also in Greek, so mm-hmm. I was very, I was raised very Greek. Wow, uh, that's amazing! I read and write, so I'm very proud of that culture, and I was happy to have it because I found a lot of my Canadian friends didn't have that. It's like I lived two lives. I had my Canadian friends, but then I had like fifty cousins, and I had, and I would say to my my Canadian friends, "I'm going to have Christmas at my house. We have like a hundred people coming over," and they're like, "What? What?" You know, understand and i'm like this is normal like we're greek we have family like we get every day there was somebody in my home so we always had a very loud happy home even though my parents fought a lot over money and stuff like that i still had a very good childhood because i was surrounded by so much family and love and exciting they were a bit crazy greek family i loved it you know, just like the Mexicans, we always joke around you know we just call two three people and by the way you know you have 20 30 50 people in your house yeah. We don't have to plan a party. We can just call each other and, you know, within an hour, we can all be together. And it's just crazy. And I grew up in Mexico. So Mexico, we have this tradition of Sunday. You visit the grandma, you visit. And, and it just before you know it, there's, like you said, 20, 30 people at the house. So it's beautiful. For me, it's like I, I miss some of that sometimes because we do get into into the American style where, you know, everybody has to plan it. And then you have to, you know, call in advance if they're going to be home. <laughs> You can just show up. You can just show up because you might be knocking in no one's home. <laughs> it worked, but no, my mom, we had a very small little home. My mm-hmm. mom would food for a thousand people. I'm like, Ma, what are you doing? We're four people. She goes, Yeah, but what if somebody comes over while we're eating? She goes, The biggest thing is to make somebody feel embarrassed while you're eating. So she would always cook extra food in case somebody came over. Whereas, you know, I, I grew up with some of my Canadian friends. They made like four hamburgers, four people, four friends. That is not how I grew up. So, you know, there's always the extra. My mom was, that's how she taught me. Just like never turn away someone from your home. It's a blessing to have guests. Yes. And I, I, I'm getting chills because my dad used to be the person who will say, always have something prepared in case someone shows up. Yeah. Or he would always, the first thing somebody will come into the house, will be offering them food. And growing up, I would think, oh, my God, he's always thinking of eating and eating, right? But now I'm like, that was a way of them showing love, um, living with that abundance of, you know, offering whatever they had. I mean, they didn't have a lot, but whatever they had, they were willing to offer it to whoever came into the house. So that's, again, that's beautiful. And, and it's funny or not, now my house is the party house. Everybody comes to my house. I'm the one always hosted, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, anything is always at my house. And I love having people over. So it's just, I think it does, uh, you know, get <laughs> you adapt those, those, those traits. <laughs> it's, we find a lot of people don't host them. And I think it's, you know, 
money. Like it's it's very expensive now to host people. It doesn't have to be though. You could have spaghetti and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to go. And if everybody brings something, but you said something else before. Now it's like, okay, when are we going to plan? Okay, we'll see you in uh, six weeks. Holy shit. In the past, you open the door, just walk in. Now, my wife would lose her mind if somebody came over. My wife cleans the house before the cleaner comes over. I go, what are you doing? Well, she goes, like, I, the cleaner can't see the dirty. I'm like, but she's a cleaner. She's coming to clean the house. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. She can't see the house dirty. I got to clean. But you're paying her to clean. Anyway. So that's just where we're like, sorry, right? It's so funny how we how we went to change some of the stuff. So tell me, so real estate, how did real estate came into your life? When did you start into real estate? You say you work at the restaurant, I guess I'm, I'm assuming that was your first job with, with the family restaurant. Uh, how did the real estate came into your life? Or how did that get, a, uh, how do you get into this, this industry? Well, my parents got a, a divorce when I was 21. Okay. My dad gambled away a lot of money one day. I went to my mom and I said, it was my tuition for my second year university. Actually, he lost it. So I, I went to my mom and I said, listen, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Now he's bringing me down. Like different for him to bring you down, but I'm his son. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I have to leave. So you have two choices, mom. Come with me and I'll buy a house. You And I'll take care of you and my sister. And I'll get my dad a place too. Or stay here and kill each other. But I'm leaving. So we put the house for sale and the real estate guy came over and I thought he was terrible. I was like, this guy fucking sucks. And the way he was negotiating and stuff. And I said, and at one point he looks at me, I was 21 and he goes, you should do this for a living. I said, yeah, I know. I said, I'm better than you. And he probably didn't like that very much, but uh, I was giving him tips on how to negotiate and stuff. So I got the bug from that. I'm like, if this guy's doing it, I can do this. Uh, and I was already selling TVs at the time. So I already had sales experience. So that's where I got the bug. And then fast forward, um, I moved to Toronto when I was like 26. Okay. By then my sister was married. So I took care of that, you know, made sure she was good. My mom, I bought her a house. I bought her a car. She was good. I took care of my dad. So I'm like, now it's me time. Like I put my life on hold. So I'm going to go to Toronto, big city and see what I can do. It's a great place to Mm-hmm. Yeah, Toronto. I was selling electronics there, and I made like a hundred thousand dollars, which was a lot of money for me, uh, twenty-seven years old. And uh, I got the buck there um, again. So I started taking my license at night, and okay. I was working during the day, getting my license at night. I did it in like six months, pretty quick. And then after I got married, and my wife had our first son. I was at the electronics store and I was selling a home theater system or a pair of speakers. I can't remember what it was. And the commission was maybe 500 bucks. And somebody called me, it was a Saturday and said, I want to go see a house. It was like 800,000 bucks. So the commission would have been like 30 grand. And I called what my I did now I got to get that. And my wife goes to me, just leave. I go, yeah, but you're not working anymore. She was a teacher in, in Canada, make good money. So I said, if you don't have your income, like, what she goes, just leave. You're gonna leave. She goes, you're gonna take off time anyway for the baby. Might as well just leave. So I just cold turkey. I left that industry and I went full time right away. And wow. uh, so I sold in Toronto for about two years, and then we back home to Ottawa. And I've been back here now for eleven years. Um, wow. So yeah, that's how that's how I got the bug. And uh, let me ask you. And I know we met through Mike Ferry. Um, 
And I know you're big on obviously coaching and just learning and constantly improving yourself. And I have seen you, believe it or not, I've been seeing you and the transformation you had over the last couple of years, physically, and I'm sure mentally, um, it's been huge. Is there anything that you that you can give credit to that you did um, getting into the industry that had helped you have the success that you have that you can share with us? Well, first of all, nobody, nobody is self-made. I know earlier I said nobody helped me. What I meant by that was I didn't have rich parents. I didn't have like an introduction. I didn't have a handshake. Even sometimes a handshake is a big thing, like an introduction. That's what I meant. But like nobody is self-made. So I've had help along the way. I had a strong mother who always told me I could do anything. I, in my whole life, she was like, you know, my dad wasn't a bad man, but he was a gambler and it used to bother me. She's like, you're not your father. And she's like, hey, your father might have this problem, but he's a hard worker. So like, you got that from him too. So I had my mom. I had Mike Ferry. Who I, Mike Ferry changed my life meeting him. Um, he was the first real estate coach that said, give me three to five years and I'll make you a millionaire. Everybody else said, 90 days to greatness and this and that. I'm like, that's bullshit. Like, but Mike Ferry said, give me three to five years and I will make you a millionaire, but you have to do exactly what I say. At that point, I was like, shit, man, I'm 27 years old. Okay. By 30 years old, I'll be a millionaire. I'm okay with that. Sign me up, right? (laughs) Sign me up. All in. $12,000 because it was a thousand bucks a month. I paid the whole thing on my line of credit because I was broke. And, um, I never looked back. So I, my career, I've been very blessed, Bertha, because I did, so my first and second year was just okay. Average 50,000, 80,000. My third year, 350,000. And then 700,000. And then a million. And then a million five. Like I've had quantum leaps. And a lot of that was Mike Ferry, Tony Robbins. Uh, Tony Robbins was a big impact on me, like up here. Um, Mike Ferry taught me the skills. Tony Robbins gave me a lot of the skill, uh, the strategies to manage emotion, past experiences, how to move on from things. And, uh, and you know, a lot of friends that I've met through the Mike Ferry system, like real estate agents that were top producers, like our friend Eddie O'Broy. Eddie, oh my God. And I was going to say Eddie, and there's so many others that you guys have. So you guys have such a good little group that I love to see you guys every time we go to this events. I'm like, there it is. The little, the little group you guys have. And I'm sure you guys, have, he was telling me one day about a mastermind you guys have where you collaborate and, and, and help each other. And that's amazing. The community you get to build through these events, through these coaching programs are amazing. Just the friendships, you know, and, and I feel like a lot of times once you get to that space where it's not longer just about you, it's about how I can contribute, how I can help others. Um, you know, it just reciprocates. It comes back to you. And, and I see that a lot in you, Eddie, and, and some other guys in, in the Mike Ferry, um, program so definitely i feel like it's the community is there and obviously it does help who do you surround yourself with um and that was going to be one of my questions for you how do you uh you know how do you keep yourself again motivated how do you keep self-focused and, and more than anything obviously, who are the people that influence you the most uh, when it comes to either friends uh mentors so you know how do, how do you do that definitely my coach good question definitely my coach i've had the same okay. coach no she's very good um, my, my staff. So I empower my office manager to keep me focused, to keep me dialed in. Like just now she's like, I know you're going to, you know, you're not going to like this, but I went through our database and 10 people bought and sold this year that are our clients with other agents. And she's like, 
calling your database enough and she gave me shit and that's but that's her job her job is to turn the mirror and look at she goes you need to call your database more so she's right you know so that um i mean i used to do things like i don't do this anymore because i'm very dialed in now but the first few years i told her if i leave my office you get 100 dollars, even if i have to go pee yeah i have to stay in my office until i make my calls so she'd get 100 dollars all the time she was so excited I'm very expressive like Eddie is, so I get distracted very easily. So environment reduces the distractions. Like I keep myself accountable. So in front of me, in, in between the ring light, it says to achieve my 2023 goal, my only job is to make 25 contacts a day. And then I look to my right and there's a Lamborghini on my screensaver. And which I already bought, by the way. And I look to my left, and there's my Asian door. I turn this way, there's a picture of my kids. And then there's an icon of, of Jesus and Mary. And I look over here, my, my um, over here is my daily affirmations. I turn to my right, and it's this painting that says, you know, work while they sleep, learn while they party, save while they spend, and then live like they dream. And then I turn around, and I see bottles of champagne and a picture with me. A picture in Mike Ferry on stage in Las Vegas. I, it doesn't matter where I turn. I find it's always something there to remind you of, of all keeping... around me. That's by design, birthday. It wasn't by an accident. Because I know my personality. So when I'm in here, how do I fail? I have a standing desk. I haven't sat for eight years. Um, I'm in the best shape of my life. I physically transformed my body two years ago. And like, I just did, thank God, I just did my blood test. I have the resting heart rate of 49 beats per minute, per minute, whatever. It's like Lance Armstrong. Like I have the heart of a 25 year old, you know, like I'm 43. So I'm blessed. Yeah. I'm blessed. Yeah. But by design, I hired the best physical, mental, like wellness coach I could find. And I've introduced him to at least 100 people like Eddie, like John, like a lot of my friends now work with that trainer. So I've got that. For my is help. that Chris? Yes. Is that Chris? Chris. So I've got Chris, I've got Mike Ferry, I've got my, you know, uh, friends. I don't really surround myself with people that are negative or, or to gossip, talk about hot shit. Like I, I distance myself from them. I'm better than them. I just feel like they haven't figured out what's important yet. And it's not my job. Like, like they have to learn. Like I'm not going to be around people that bring me down or that don't see. You don't have to be rich to be my friend, but you have to be a positive person. You have to be happy. Or at least you have to desire to want a better life. And I've had to distance myself from a lot of people that are not resonating on the same frequency. Um, that's and, and that's and that's not sometimes because that includes sometimes even family, isn't it? Like you have to you have to love yourself enough that you said, you know, this is not good for me, or this is no longer um, resonates with what I'm what I'm doing or what I want to be around. And sucks. There you yeah. go. I've lost, I've lost friends. I've lost family. And uh, it's hard, but I've also gained new friends and made new relationships of people that are resonating. Like you have to let you have to let go of some of the people because they're they're holding you back. You know, you have to sometimes let go of who you are to become who you're meant to be. And on that path, you know that quote: "You have friends for a reason. You have friends for a yeah. season. Friends for a or why." I'm a very social person. So I have a big network of like acquaintances. My friend, bro, I can count on one hand. 
like mm-hmm. my real friends that know me. Forget the DK that wears a three-piece suit at Mike Ferry events. That's that's not, that's not the real me. I'm putting on a performance. Um, mm-hmm. This is the real me. You know, like this is the real me. And and mm-hmm. I, there's only a handful of people that I can be around the authentic me, and the rest I'm just being. They need me to be. Yeah, exactly. And and we have to, and we have to give ourselves that. So tell me a little bit about that morning routine because I, I you just said it uh, in your office, and I I love how you have it set up, like you said. In a way that everywhere you look, there's something that reminds you of and keeping you focused. But is there any specific routine you follow to keep yourself, again, in the best shape of your life, physical, mentally, and everything else? Is there anything you specifically do every morning that you can share with the audience? Yeah. So every morning I wake up at 4 a.m. Um, the first thing I do is I drink celery juice. It's anti-inflammatory, and it's mm-hmm. very good metabolism going. And then I... Um, read my gratitudes for the day and I think of my intentions for the day. And then I'm at the gym at 5 a.m. because that's when they open. If they opened earlier, I'd be earlier. Uh, <laughs> I work out for a long time. My workouts are very long. So they're about okay. an hour and a half, hours a day. Wow. And then I stretching and it's not all working out. It's a lot of stretching and mobility work. Okay. And then I work out six days a week. And then okay. I go home and I'll see my kids before they go to school. And... Then I get dressed, I have breakfast, very light shake. And then I come to the office between 8.30 and 8.45 every day. Um, I don't work evenings anymore. The occasional evening, maybe. And I don't work Saturdays and Sundays anymore, which is really, really exciting. I started doing that three years ago. Um, Best thing I ever did. And that's my morning routine. I come to the office. I meet with my admin team for about 15 minutes to talk about our intentions for the day and what's important, any closings for the day. Uh, usually if there's a listing appointment, the package is on my desk already, pre-qualified, ready to go. And at that point, I'm calling all of my appointments for that day, confirming that I'll be meeting them later. I call all of my hot leads top down. Okay. And then I'll work until about noon, have lunch. And then I try to go on appointments like one, three, and like five. Okay. And, uh, but you're still, going. you're still actively um, doing appointments, present- listing presentations and stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, I look at you. I'm still the main, I'm still the main rainmaker. For okay. That's yeah. amazing. Well, I know sometimes as you guys, you get your team going, there are times that you stay back a little bit and let somebody else do some of the things. That's the reason I ask. But I know. I can... this, yeah. This year, I looked at my business model and I went on fewer listing appointments this year because I traveled so much, though. I went to a lot of vacations. Um, Good for you. I was going to ask you that. What? How do you balance in work and life? Because again, in our business, um, and I am so guilty of it right now. I just looked at my calendar the last 60 days. I think I only work four weeks. I've been gone for events. I've been gone for family. I've been gone for things. And I'm taking time to, again, I think this is, a, this is the year that I travel the most. <laughs> Ertha, I just got off my coaching call and I've had the same coach for years and she's kind of giving me shit because, you know, I'm down, I'm down about 20%. The market is down 45. So I'm beating the market. Yeah. But I also said, but coach, I'm in the best shape of my life. My relationships are better. I'm seeing my kids more. Yes. I still made, I still made good money. Like my shit year is someone else's dream year. So yes, yes I didn't make what I made two years ago, but also there's more metrics to success in life than just the money in your bank account. I'm not saying money's not important. It's very important, but I'm grateful. I still made good money. 
Um, I went to Greece for one month. I took my mom and my kids a month. I, you know, I just took my wife to Paris for the weekend because it was her birthday. Like first class, like we've never done that before. Uh, we're going to Japan March break with my kids for March break. Like I, I'm, I'm doing these experiences with the family that are huge. Um, and I typically buy whatever the hell I want. You know, I bought a, I bought my dream car. I, I don't wait because yeah. I have, I've managed my money very smart. I don't have any debt. That's and right. whenever I want to reward myself, I treat myself as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. I've got the money. It's not ego based. You mm -hmm. know, like some people drive nice cars. They can't afford the payments. Like I bought yes. them cash. Yes. I bought them cash. So like, I'm okay. Thank God. Thank God I'm okay. So mm -hmm. I, I, I take care of myself because I know that if, if, if Papa's not happy, yeah, you nobody know, else is <laughs> So I have to take care of myself. So I focus on me. It might sound selfish, but it's not. They, I, don't think, I, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. And you are, you just touched on two things that are so important in life. Like we have to be able to take care of us in order for us to be able to take care of the ones around us. You have to be good with yourself in order for you to give to the ones around you. Uh, well, and yeah. They say when the airplane is going down, you put the mask on <laughs> first, then your kids. Now I understand that analogy. Um, but when you're a people pleaser and everybody comes to you, you want to say yes a lot because you feel bad, guilty if you say no. And then because people know you help them, they go to you more. You enable that right. behavior. Well, I'm saying no now a lot. Oh, you my know? God. You are just resonating with me in so many areas. Like that part right there, that part right there. I just had to, I just had to tell myself recently, never say yes to someone else if that is saying not to yourself. And that comes with being a people pleaser. We want to help everybody. We want to save everybody. We want to be the good guy. You want to be, and then you're overcommitting. And before you know, you're running out of gas because you're trying to do everything for everybody else and you're not taking care of you. And then guess what? You're out of integrity. And that's the worst feeling in the world when you're out of integrity and you know you're you're doing something that makes you feel off. Like even this podcast for you, the only reason why I'm doing it is because Eddie is attached to you. And I love Eddie because I get asked 10 times a day and I can't do them all. I want to, but I can't. I get calls from charities every day. Give us money. Give us money. I can't. If I give you all my money, I'll have no money. So exactly. I give I give a lot. And so does our friend Eddie. I give a lot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Order. You have to limit eventually because, you know. Set if, those if, boundaries. Set strong boundaries. Uh, that you said, exactly, uh, this is not what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And I'll never say yes if that's going to be a no to me. And I would only say yes to the things that I know are aligned with me. And, that, and that's that's, for I mean, example, uh, I traveled a lot this year, I told you, but a lot of it was for my company doing talks, but I wasn't getting paid. So I said to my coach, 2024, I'm going on five events, five cap. That's it. Whereas this year I went on like 25 <laughs> New York, LA. I was flying around on my dimes speaking for other companies, not getting paid. And because it makes me happy inside, but it took its toll on my business. So I said, no, no more. Five, Mike Ferry Superstar Retreat, Mike Ferry in January, uh, EXP Conference, and then, you know, I gave myself two. That's it. So five, that's it. Uh, unless it's inspiring me to grow, serving my business and my family, um, you have to set limits because when people know you're a giver, 
they take, 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 and yes. fuck you dry. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that because I know, and I know a lot of our audience are in the same spot. And that's the reason I bring it up again, because sometimes we aren't giving, 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 or saying yes, and we're over committing. And then, like you said before, we know we're running on empty. And, yeah. and we can't continue to give if we don't take the time to fill our tank, which is, again, yeah. taking time with the family, taking time for, for yourself. And I've, I've always put in at least four events where are going to help me, you know, grow. They're going to help me, again, get those relationships, strengthen my relationship with my business partners. Um, yeah. And obviously, vacation for me is so important in building those memories. I mean, I have a 23-year-old now, yeah. an 18-year-old, and a 14-year-old. And it's for me, you have two. It is so important that we, again, create those memories while they're where they're still there. Like I see my twenty three year old now, just very little compared to what I used to do with them, right? And and I always tell my friends, I said, if there's only one thing I can I can do better, and maybe do a little more vacations with them. But even that, like I I ask them sometimes, okay, what is the one thing you remember as you're growing up? And biggest thing I always talk about is oh, going to those vacations, going to the Disney World, going to Legoland, yeah. you know, those times where you took, and again, I've always said too, in my business, there was a time for everything like a mom. I used to take a lot of time when they were little to volunteer in school, to be on their games, to be their room mom, to be the soccer mom. And now yeah. I have more time for my business. So now I'm doing a lot more business-wise because they're a little older. They don't need me as much. But it's I just times and, and seasons in life that we have to embrace and just enjoy them because I love that. I love what you say something. I know you're short on time, maybe, but I'll tell you this real important thing. Um, my dad didn't spend a lot of time with me and my sister because he was always working. He was a workaholic too, but I or he was gambling. So, you know, not not playing sports with me, not none of that. But you know what I remember? Some of my best memories when I was a kid is I would beg him to play cards with me, like poker. Okay. And, and, would always say no because I think he didn't want me to become him. I think he didn't want me to become a gambler. It's like, no, this is bad. This is bad stuff. I don't want you being bad. And I was like begging him, Dad, please play cards with me. Play cards with me. And, and sometimes I'd convince him. So we'd play cards. I was eight, nine, ten years old, playing you know poker or whatever. And I don't remember all the times he stole my money or whatever. I I, I kind of focused on those times because good memories. <laughs> As a child, like you crave your parents' love and attention so much. And I just wanted him to spend time with me. So I would do anything to mm -hmm. earn his attention. And that's what I did. I gravitated towards playing cards with him, which yeah. is funny because I, I don't gamble now. You don't gamble. But anyway, wow. what I said, I remember that as a kid. And it was it's a happy memory for me. Yeah. And those are the things you're trying to do. Build those memories with your kids because they will grow up one day and you'll have less time, unfortunately, with them as they're starting now being adults and now they have their own friends and the people that they want to, you know, spend more time with and do their own things. And it's like, it's a little sad. One last thing I wanted to ask you, and I know time went so fast and it's funny because when I, when we talked about time, oh, it's going to be, you know, 45 minutes, 30 minutes. And then before we know, we look at the clock and it just went, but I wanted to ask you one last thing. How do you want DK to be remembered? Um, either, you know, as a father, business, what would you want them to, to remember you as? I want to be remembered as the one that changed my family trajectory for the next, for, for every generation after me. Um, <sighs> That's pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I'm the first millionaire in my family. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Uh, maybe there's another one. I don't know if it's hiding the money, but um, 
I want to be remembered as the guy who broke the cycle and uh, the, the, the person who, you know, really created a legacy, not just for me, but somebody who helped a lot of people. Like I want my great, great, great grandkids to be like, Papa DK was a baller. You know, he was, we, we heard about this guy. Like I want them to respect that because I think family is very important. And I think that I used to be ashamed of my last name. And, and I said to my mom, I'm going to make restore the, the honor to our last name. Like I want people to know, you know, that Dimitri Kaligaropoulos was the one, like Ed Milet says, I, I, I'm the one. And the I'm one. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm proud of that. That's what I want to be remembered for that. I believe this like based we're on. Gonna close it. We're going to close it with that TK. And again, thank you so much for your time. And I appreciate you and I admire you and I've always looked up to you. And I think this is going to be great. Um, podcast for those who sometimes feel that, you know, what am I doing? Am I going the right way? Am I having too many issues in my life? And look, look at what you did with um, having to come out from where you came from and, and dealing with where you had to deal with your sister and how did that inspire to to be who you are today? So thank you again. I uh, wish you the best and uh, see you in Vegas. <laughs> I'll see you there. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to the Level Up Podcast. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, you can leave a five-star review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Until next time, we hope you level up.